We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And today, we're going to talk Notre Dame recruiting. Specifically, we're going to talk about the Notre Dame dream class on offense for 2022. When you look at Notre Dame in the two of the last three years, they've been in the college football playoff. They've won at least 10 games in each of the last four seasons and five of the last six seasons. You could say that Notre Dame is on the cusp of taking that next step and being a team capable of competing for a championship. We've seen Brian Kelly build this program to the point where when they play teams that are not really on their level, they're going to win more often than not. Notre Dame is 33-0 and the last four seasons against teams that finished ranked in the top, outside the top 25. They're 10-8 and against teams ranked inside the top 25. Now, to get to that next level to where Notre Dame starts winning more of those games, and especially the big games, the playoff games, the major bowl games, the Notre Dame offense has to get better. Now, there's obviously some schematic things we've talked a lot about already at Irish Breakdown, and we're going to continue to talk about, but I do believe there is room for Notre Dame to continue improving the talent level on that side of the ball. So what we're going to look at is the 2022 class. And the reason this is an important class is because Notre Dame is going to go one of two directions here moving forward. You can't just stay stagnant for a long period of time. Eventually, you're either going to take that next step and improve, or other teams are going to catch you, which is then going to cause you to fall down a little bit. So for Notre Dame to kind of take that next step and ensure that they don't slide back, this is a big class. Notre Dame has had two really strong offensive classes in a row with the 2021 and the 2020 classes. What Notre Dame needs next is a third straight class. It's going to help overcome some of the misses in the 2019 class. It's going to help them overcome some of the areas where the roster still isn't where it needs to be. And it's an opportunity to create a situation where Notre Dame is going to start really reloading on offense at all positions. There's a class out there for Notre Dame to get that can be that dream class that allows them to take that next step. The kind of class that adds the depth that Notre Dame needs on offense, the kind of class that adds the impact talent that Notre Dame needs on offense to take that next step. So that's what's so important about this class. And then we'll get into 2023 as it it moves forward. But this class really needs to be strong. It needs to be outstanding. I'm not as confident that it's going to happen as I am on defense for a number of reasons. And we, we'll talk, we've talked about 
those and we'll continue to talk about those. But we're going to focus now on what that dream class could be. And hopefully the Notre Dame coaching staff can go out moving forward and and close and make the changes they need to make and, and close on some of these top prospects. Because the way I look at it is, as we go through this dream class, it's going to be high on numbers of what Notre Dame's probably going to be able to get, at least on defense, more so than offense. The question is, is how many of these dream class type players can Notre Dame get? And as we talked about in the defensive breakdown, there might be some players that come on the board that aren't there now that could be good enough to be on this list. For example, when I wrote the original dream class on defense, there's a couple DBs that I didn't have on my breakdown. When I wrote my, that I added later after I broke down some film, when I added the must-gets, when I wrote the original must-gets for the slot receiver at Notre Dame on offense and they needed dynamic slot receiver, I didn't have a player on there that we're going to talk about in this breakdown because I hadn't really broken his film down yet. But once I did, you realize this kid's special and now he's in the dream class. So it's always an evolving process, but the, the emphasis is on the high level impact talent. And that's what we're going to focus on in today's podcast. But to begin, let's look at the Notre Dame commits. Right now, Notre Dame has commitments from quarterback Steve Angeli from New Jersey, running back Jadarian Price from Texas, uh, a wide receiver Amorian Walker from Louisiana, tight end Jack Nickel from Georgia, and a pair of offensive linemen Joey Tonona from Indiana and Ty Chan from Massachusetts. On defense, all five of the current commits are guys that would have been on my original dream class, dream, dream in my original dream class had I done it earlier before they committed. I can't say that that's true on offense. And that's okay. Not every guy has to be that. Steve Angeli, for example, would not be on my list. There are other quarterbacks that I view as game changers that Notre Dame should have been on that they were on late or they just weren't able to make movement with. You could say they settled on Angeli. I don't view it that way. I think the Notre Dame staff really likes Angeli, and, and he's got some tools. Big, strong kid, decent athlete in the pocket, decent arm, you know, with potential to get better. So there's some upside there, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Steve Angeli does as a senior, and I'm hoping that he can go out and, and show me the improved arm strength, the improved decision-making, the improved accuracy that I think he needs to take him to another level. Right now, he looks like just a solid prospect that has a chance and time to develop into a, a player that can contend for a starting job at Notre Dame in certain situations. Now, is he a is he a guy that you look at and say, boy, this guy is a, a Joe Burrow type of program changer? No. Could he be a Jack Cohn, someone who I'm excited to see play at Notre Dame this year that could keep them going? Yes. I don't view Jack Cohn as a guy that's going to next all of a sudden take Notre Dame to a national championship. Hope I'm wrong. I'd love it if he did that. So there's some tools there, but we're at a point now when we talk about recruiting at Notre Dame where the conversation shouldn't be about who's good enough to get you to 10 and 2. The conversation should be about who's good enough to get you to beat Clemson, to beat Alabama, to beat Ohio State, to beat Oklahoma, to beat those teams with some consistency. And that's what Notre Dame needs to look for a quarterback, and I don't view him that way. Uh, but I do like some of the tools. Same thing with Amorian Walker. He would not be a guy that after the two years that, that Notre Dame has had at recruiting that I necessarily would have taken. It, maybe, it, maybe the better way of saying maybe I wouldn't have taken him this early. I would have let the recruiting process work itself out a little bit before I would have taken him as early as I did. But again, there are some tools there. Big, long kid, tremendous catch radius, good hands, decent athlete. And there's some, there's some projectability there. When you see those skinny, long striders, there's more of an opportunity for them to make a physical jump than you might see from some smaller players who are or or bigger players who are already 215 that are closer to what their their maximum is going to be. So again, there's some tools there, but there's a very low floor there. If he pans out, that's great. Uh, but he's not a guy that I would have taken this early. Notre Dame decided to do so. Jack Nichols, the other one that I would not have in my dream class. He's a solid tight end. I, I There's some things I like about Jack Nichol. Big kid, good hands. He's kind of what Brock Wright was in college. You know, decent route runner, but just not the the, the athlete that you look for when you compare him to a, a Michael Mayer, a Tommy Trumbull, Kane Barong, some of the Alizé Mack the guys at Notre Dame has really been thriving with at, at, at tight end, and he doesn't have the massive size, for example, of a Cole Komet. So that's, again, it's a lot like Amari Walker. Is he a good football player? Yeah, you don't get offered by Notre Dame and some of the schools that he's been offered by if you're not a good football player. 
But is he the kind of tight end that is going to continue the tradition that Notre Dame has? I don't think that he is. So he's not a guy that would have been in there. There are three offensive commits who would have been in my dream class, and we'll begin at the skill position, and that's Jadarian Price. Notre Dame wants two running backs in this class, and to me, I, I really like Jadarian Price. I, I watch him play, and you know maybe he doesn't have like the 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 pure home run speed that you look for, but neither did Dexter Williams. Dexter Williams ran a four five eight at, at Notre Dame's or at the at Notre Dame's pro day. He was barely. He was home. He was closer to being a four six than he was a four five. Dexter Williams is one of the most explosive running backs Notre Dame's had in a long time because there's a lot more to being an explosive running back than just pure 40 time. And I see some of those traits in Jadarian Price. I see a guy with the ability to plant and just explode vertically. I see a guy with very good vision, anticipation, a young back that's got some some a really nice lower body build. I like what he brings to the table. There's a lot of talent there. That, that I see that if, if Darian Price is the only running back Notre Dame gets in this class, if they miss out on all their other top backs, is that a dream class? No, because you you know you kind of want that second back. You know, I I don't think Kyron Williams is a guy that stays for four or five years if he continues rushing for a thousand yards. And by the time this class gets on campus, Chris Tyree's going to be a junior. And who who knows where he's going to be in his development. So I, I you know th- they they want two backs. So if you're going to get two backs, getting one is is obviously not meeting your numbers need. But if we take the need out of it and just look at Jadarian Price's talent, I like this kid a lot. I think this is the kind of kid in Notre Dame's offense with the skill that they're going to have up front, with the skill that they're going to have on the perimeter. This is a guy that I think can be a 1,000-plus yard running back and, and be a Kyron Williams type. Now, their running styles are different. I'm talking more from a production, uh, a guy that can do a lot of different things as a runner. Now, I haven't seen Jadarian Price as much in the pass game, and he looks to be more of a traditional running back out of the backfield, so he doesn't have that pass game aspect that you see from Kyron Williams. He's more like Chris Tyree in that regards. But there's a lot to like about Jadarian Price. So he would have been in my in a dream class. He would have been in a group of backs, I say you know, about five backs, that I would have said, if you can get two of these five backs, you're you're in great shape if you're Notre Dame. And he would have been in that group. So they've got one of those guys, and, and we'll get into the need to get another one. The two offensive linemen I would have also had. Joey Tanona is a no-brainer. To me, Joey Tanona was a player I liked, I, I thought was a must-get when he was an offensive tackle as a sophomore. I, I liked his upside. I said, you know, maybe he's a guy that eventually could move inside, could play some right tackle. I liked him. I viewed him as a top 200 guy, and when you have a top 200 caliber offensive lineman from your home state, you got to go get him. So to me, that was a no-brainer. Then as a junior, he moved to center, and he became a, 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 an even more important prospect. Look, Notre Dame needs a center of the future, and I don't know who that guy is going to be. And Joey Tenota is not a guy I would have said definitely center of the future because it's hard to project that without having seen a guy play, even though most centers are former guards or tackles. It's harder to project that. He looks so good as a center, as a junior. His athleticism played up even better inside. He looked like a natural snapper. His ability to snap, step, and hit as kind of one fluid motion in his first year playing the position was outstanding. And so to me, he went from a top 200 to 250 caliber prospect to me to a top 100 caliber prospect as a center. Uh, Now, again, he doesn't mean he has to just play center. He could play guard and be just as projectable. So I just loved how much his game grew. He got more out. He got his foot quickness improved. There was a lot I liked about Joey Tanona as a junior. So it solidified, obviously, his standing on, on any kind of dream class for Notre Dame, which he would have been in before his junior year. But now he's definitely in there. Ty Chan's the interesting one. So we haven't seen Ty Chan pass a sophomore year because his state didn't have fall football. I don't know what to make of Ty Chan. He's, a, he's all about projection. It's all about the ceiling with him. Because this floor is so far really low because, again, we're basing this off sophomore film. He's listed at 260. He's he's pretty thin, seems to have a nice frame, seems to have a frame that you can get big with, but not one that I that I would feel you know, confident putting the mortgage on, you know, betting the mortgage on that he's going to get to 300 and not lose quickness and be powerful and all those kind of things. Tough kid, but needs to get a lot stronger. Athletic kid, needs a lot of footwork you know, technique work, things like that. So there's a lot of talent to work with. And that's why I would have taken him because in a, in a year where you're going to take at least four offensive linemen, maybe five, if the, if the right five want to come, 
you can take a chance on a, on a high upside guy like Notre Dame did in 2021 with Joe Alt. It's a very similar situation. Yeah, maybe Ty Chan doesn't pan out and he ends up not being able to play for you. Okay, that's fine. Not every offensive lineman is going to pan out. You can't have those kind of misses in a year where you're only signing two, maybe even three offensive linemen. When you're signing four, which is what Notre Dame needs to do, they need to get at least four in this class along the offensive line, you take that high-ceiling guy, even if he has a low floor, because your margin for error, because you signed five last year and you bring in four this year, you got a little bit better margin for error. Now, they can't do a lot of that because there was a lot of that in last year's class. But Ty Chan's ceiling is so high that you, you you almost have to take him and be willing to take that risk of him not panning out because he he does have that tools. I mean, he's athletic. I mean, really athletic. I don't see elite athleticism yet because, again, we're going off sophomore film and taller, bigger players tend to grow into that athleticism a little later as their bodies stop growing. But I, I see really good athleticism for his age, and I'm excited to see what he's going to grow into. So – He's a guy that I would have put on there with the caveat of if you're taking four offensive linemen, then yeah, you absolutely take a, take a flyer on a guy like Ty Chan because he could go out as a senior, and we haven't seen him for two years. He could go out as a senior, be 20 pounds bigger. His coordination is better. He's, he's had now a whole offseason to, to really work on the footwork and the aspects of playing offensive line. He may come out and look like a top 100 player. I mean, he's got that kind of ceiling. And when a guy has that kind of ceiling, you have to take him, especially in a year where you're where you're going to have this many players. So that's where I am with the Notre Dame commits. There's six commits. Three of them would have definitely been in my my dream class. Three of them I would not have had in my dream class. But I'm also not, you know, pounding on the table saying, you know, this is ruining Notre Dame recruiting. They're good football players. They're just not. To we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yet, the kind of football players that say, does this close the gap between Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State? And that's my standard. Other people can look at it and say, well, you know, he's a good football player. He had this offer, that offer. That's fine. But that I don't care about that. I care about does this player have the talent and the projection to say if he maxes out, he's going to close the gap on those programs. That's what you should be looking for. And not every kid's going to be that way. But more often than not, you need that. And you can't have half your class already being that kind of player unless you're going to go out and finish really, really strong. And that's what the Notre Dame offensive staff needs to do. And let's talk about what that would look like. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Now we're going to start with the backfield, then we're going to talk receivers, then tight ends, and we're going to finish with the offensive line. As we'd say, what is the dream class look like? And if you listen to our podcast, if you are check out our YouTube channel or at all listening to irishbreakdown.com, and, and you should be reading irishbreakdown.com and listening to all those things, but you're going to know where I'm going with this first one at running back, and it's the big three. There's three running backs on the board right now for Notre Dame, Dallin Hayden, Nicholas Singleton, and Gavin Salchuk. To me, they're all top 100 players. They all grade out as top 100 players. 
they're guys that to me bring big time talent and potential to the backfield. And if you pair them with a guy like Jadarian Price, you have yourself one heck of a one-two punch and running back. And that would make this one-two punch better than last year's one-two punch. And if you read my analysis of the 2021 class, I really liked the the Audric Estimate and Logan Diggs one-two punch. I think both of them are very underrated backs, especially Logan Diggs. I thought they were both surefire uh, uh, top 150 caliber players and four-star recruits. Loved that one-two punch. This one could be even better if you can get one of those three guys. Dallin Hayden is a, is a very talented running back, rushed for over 2,000 yards in the state of Tennessee at Christian Brothers in Memphis. And he's another guy that kind of reminds me a lot of Dexter Williams because he, he's not like that elite athlete. He's not like Chris Tyree's speed or just super, super suddenness. He's just a great back. He's got vision, and he's got that burst where he's going to play faster than I would imagine his 40 time is going to be. I hadn't seen a lot of him in the past game, and then I got some – he sent me some some clips of him doing some workouts, running routes, catching the ball. I loved what I saw from him. Catches the ball well, good route runner. He just didn't do a ton of it in high school. So getting the chance to see him do that, you see the foot quickness. You see the ball skills. You see all the things you want to see in a, in a great back, and his production was off the charts. I mean, he had 2,000 yards rushing, and I, I think he played like nine or ten games, something absurd like that. Uh, because of the shortened season because of COVID. So he's an extremely talented running back. Now, where things stand with him, Notre Dame is in really good shape with Dallin Hayden. But right now, Ohio State is is the team that's kind of you have to really worry about. The hope, if you're Notre Dame at right now, if you're a Notre Dame fan right now, is that one of two things happens. Number one, they got to do a better job recruiting him. They're doing a good job recruiting him. But talking to sources, there's a better job to be done. They could be on them a little bit more. There needs to be a little bit more coordination uh, with the offensive staff, really making sure that they're 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 letting him know that he's a priority, that they have a clear message, a clear defined message. I don't think we're necessarily getting that based on some sources I've talked to. I, I think the other part of it is is that you hope that he holds out long enough to where Ohio State maybe gets another back before then, because Ohio State has several backs on their board, including Dallin Hayden. So. Those are the two ways, and I don't care if you back into a guy. I, I really don't. I don't care if you get a guy because the school he wanted to go to filled up. I, I don't care. Just get the player because I think Dallin Hayden would be a great fit at Notre Dame, not just football-wise, but I think he'd be a great fit at Notre Dame. When you talk about the Notre Dame fit as a young man, as a person, character-wise, academically, all those things, Dallin Hayden is the epitome of what a Notre Dame fit should be, and that's why it's so important to get him. When you have an, a very talented top 100 caliber back that that – fits everything that you say you're about as a program and as an institution, you got to get that guy. And Tennessee's been a really good state for Notre Dame. So they've got to really turn up the heat, turn up the pressure, make him a bigger priority, be more organized and really get after him. And if they can get him into class and they, and they got, they're in great shape now without those things going on in his recruitment, it can really be the thing that, that gets them over the edge and that allows you to get Dallin Hayden into the class. Cause like I said, he is a, a very talented back as is Nick Singleton from Pennsylvania. Now, he's an interesting player, too, because he comes from an option offense. They'll put him in the backfield and have him run some outside zone and some power read type of stuff, but he's mo mostly a, an option running back. And, and it's the old-school Lou Holtz option, you know, kind of from the eye type of thing, not the triple option where he's playing in the wing or he's a fullback. He's a, a more of an old-school where they're just running, like, speed option with him a lot. So there's some... There's some projection there. You have to kind of project what he'd be able to do, but you see it all. You see great size. You see great feet. I see explosiveness. I see vision, second-level ability. He's got all the tools to be a really special back at the next level, and he's still learning the position as a traditional running back. Now, he's very good at what he does, but he also plays defense in high school, plays some corner for a team that was really good last year. So he's not just a, a running back. So once he is able to focus on one side of the ball, that'll help his game develop. I love two-way players, but the fact is, is that it takes some time for them to necessarily master the footwork. I think, the, But it's worth it with the advantages you get from being a two-way player. He's another guy. I think he had – I have to look up the numbers, but I think he had like 1,300 yards last year in like eight games and over 20 touchdowns in like eight games, Some absurd like that. I mean, his, his production level also was – just off the charts. And that's another thing I like about Jadarian Price. He has over 3,000 rushing yards in the state of Texas already going into his senior year. That's a, that's an impressive production. And, and I love production from running backs. I, 
I feel like with running back, it's one of those positions that I that I value production more. Like I I I don't care a lot about production of receiver because there's so many more reasons why receivers aren't productive in high school. You're dependent upon the quarterback, the offensive system, all types of different factors. As a running back, to me, you have to have production. And these two kids have a ton of production. Jadarian Price has a ton of production. Ohio State and Penn State are are two teams that are making a hard charge for uh, Nicholas Singleton as well as Notre Dame. It's kind of the same situation. Notre Dame's doing a really good job of recruiting him, but they got to close. They got to close on one of these two guys because we'll get into the third guy that's part of the big three in a second, but these are the two they have the best shot at right now, and you have to land one of them. I mean, you're not putting all your eggs in, in one basket like you did last year with, with Will Shipley, and I love that. I love that strategy, but you have to make sure – that you're treating each one of them like they're the guy. And, and that's going to be a key for Notre Dame to get one of these two backs in the class. If you can add one of these two players with Jadarian Price to go with the two guys last year, there's not many teams in the country. You can maybe count on one hand the number of teams in the country who's gonna who are going to have better backfields than what Notre Dame would have beginning in 2022 with potentially Kyron Williams coming back for her senior year. Chris Tyree, Logan Diggs, Diggs, Audric Estimate, and then those two backs, whoo, that is one heck of a backfield. And it's a versatile backfield. You have some guys that are more pure runners, some guys that are very versatile, can do both things. Some guys can be blockers. Some guys can be explosive home run hitters. So I love the makeup of that. The third back on the list is Gavin Sawchuk. Now, he is the, the reason I'm, I'm not as optimistic about him is it has nothing to do with his talent. I love his talent. He is an explosive running back. He's another guy with tremendous production. He's at over, over 3,000 yards in just the last two years combined. Now, he doesn't play great competition in, in the Colorado area, but he plays good competition, and, and he's really just a guy that has the vision, the footwork, the, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield as a traditional runner. He's kind of from that Chris Tyree school of running back play in that Nick Singleton is a guy that in Dallin Hayden are guys that you can give the ball 18 to 20 times to and, and have them be bell cows. Gavin Sawchuck is more that guy. He doesn't need that volume to be productive. Now he can do it and he's a strong kid for his size. He can do that and he's only going to get bigger and stronger, but it's more of a, because he's so explosive and versatile that you can, you can have him be complimented. You can have him compliment the, the generic prices, maybe the every down back or, Logan Diggs or Audric Estime, he can be a guy that with eight to 10 touches can do a lot more damage. It's, it reminds me of, of kind of like the, the 2012 combination of Theo Riddick and Sierra Wood. Theo Riddick was the, the, the hammer. He was the guy that got most of the carries. He was the, the number one back. And then Sierra Wood would come in with, with five to 10 touches and he would rip off a 50 yard touchdown like he did against Oklahoma. He had a long touchdown run against Miami that year. He was that guy that could kind of Hey, I don't need 20 touches to make an impact. And that's how Gavin Sawchuck is. The reason that I'm not as optimistic about him is I think they have a, it's going to be harder for them to land him. Um, he's been to Notre Dame, so that's not the issue. But I just think there's other programs that he likes better. And I don't think it's from a, a lack of trying on the Notre Dame staff. That's just going to happen sometimes. You can put all you want into a player, and he may like your program a lot. And I think Gavin Sawchuck likes Notre Dame's program a lot. It's just right now he likes other programs more. And they're still there's and I like that they're not backing off of that. They're still trying. They're still making a push, trying to get him back on campus again to put themselves in position to to maybe add him. And that's the thing I really like about what they're doing. I think they learned their lesson from last year. They were able to recover, but you don't want to risk that like you did last year, where where part of the reason they got Logan Diggs and Audric Estime is because it was such a deep year at running back. A lot of the top programs filled up and they didn't get on these kids. And so Ohio State didn't go after these guys. Uh, LSU didn't offer digs until it was too late. Alabama didn't offer them. So you were able to kind of sneak in and get some top backs in a, in a deep running back year. Th that's it's, an, it's a deep running back year, but those programs are now targeting the kids that Notre Dame wants. So they're not putting all their eggs in the one basket like they did with Will Shipley, and I really like that strategy. And if they can just – close on one of them, you've got a chance to have a really, really special backfield. And, and that's what you need to have a dream class. You need you need a dynamic backfield to make that happen. Now let's talk about wide receiver. We talked about Notre Dame as a Morin Walker in the class. Now I've made my opinion known on a Morin Walker. Is there potential there? Yes. 
is he a guy that that I see the explosiveness and the athleticism others claim he has? I just don't see it. Um, it so what you need now is where does he go, where is he going to stack on your receiver board? If they bring in a class where he's the clear number three guy, I'm thrilled with that because again there are some tools. You can't teach his height. You can't teach his length. You can't teach his ball skills. If he gets more athletic, if he gets more explosive, and you combine it with those other things, you have yourself a ball player. But it's a it because he has a lower floor. There's a lot more risk there. So that means your your one and two guys have to be special. They have to be game changers. Brian Kelly has talked about after 2018. He's talked about in 2020. It's kind of like his built his go to excuse now, which is we don't have enough playmakers at Notre Dame. We're not going to get into that debate about whether or not Notre Dame does or doesn't. For the purposes of this conversation, we're going to assume that Brian Kelly's right and they don't have enough playmakers in their class. So the one thing you need, absolutely have to get in this class, more than anything else at wide receiver, is you need a player that is a dynamic guy with the ball in his hands. That's what you need. And there's a couple guys on the list that fit that mold, and one of those players, to me, that I think Notre Dame has a shot with, that I think is is probably the most underrated recruit I've seen in the country this year is Xavion Bradshaw from Virginia. And I'm going to pull up some of his huddle clips here real quick. You, you have got to watch this kid play. If if this kid's a three-star recruit, then I I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking at. I, I just don't know. I see a kid, number one, his dad was an NFL running back, Ahmad Bradshaw, won a Super Bowl. He plays out in the middle of nowhere, so there's obviously people who haven't seen him. I see a guy that has speed. I see a guy that has tremendous feet. I see a guy, as you're going to see here, that is a dynamic player in the kick return game. I see a guy that catches the ball naturally. I see a guy that is a, exactly what you want in today's slot receivers. He is a he is a player that's fast enough to stretch the field. He's got the ball skills to make plays down the field. He's smart enough to make plays over the middle. He's strong enough. He, he has some running back to his game. That's what you see here in this, this punt return game. He's got some running back. He's got that shiftiness, that lower body strength to allow him to run through arm tackles. And he can do things after the catch. He's the kind of guy that can take a bubble screen, as you saw in the first play, and turn it into a big play. He's the kind of guy that can take a slant route, make a guy miss, and turn it into a big play. That's all he does in high school. Now, look, I recruited guys that did stuff like this at the Division three level and the Division one AA level. They dominated their competition. It's about projecting his skill set to the next level. Some guys project that way because they have the athleticism and some don't because maybe they dominate the competition they play in high school. But just dominating your high school competition doesn't mean you can play at Notre Dame. You know, I recruited a running back at, at a Division three school that had over 4,000 career rushing yards and over 50 career rushing touchdowns. But he was like a 4'8", you know, and he was like 5'8". So he just wasn't a guy that you were going to see at a place like that. So dominating – High school doesn't mean anything, but when you watch Xavion Bradshaw, you see a guy that has the athleticism that it does project, and that's what I like so much about him. And so he is a very underplayer, not just from a recruiting ranking standpoint. I'm not even hammering the, the analyst because his offer list isn't all that impressive. I mean, he's Virginia's on him, West Virginia's on him. Notre Dame's really the only school that's a powerhouse program that's on him. Because he lives out in the middle of nowhere, not a lot of people can go see him play. Uh, because there were no camp circuit last year, he wasn't on the camp circuit. So he's a guy that, to me, hasn't had the exposure that 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 people look for. But when you watch this kid play, this kid to me is special, and, and I love the fact that Notre Dame found him, got on him early. Because once, if he if he does get on the camp circuit, or or if more people see him play, his offer list is going to explode. And if you're Notre Dame, you're going to want to make sure that you are you are on him early. So this is a guy to me that is a must get. Would I love to have Caleb Brown from Chicago? Yeah, I've talked about that, but they don't really have a shot with Caleb Brown. But I'll tell you this: if they quote unquote settle uh, for Xavion Bradshaw and not get Caleb Brown, I'm fine. I'm good with that. Be you know, yes, I would like to have both of them because I think Xavion Bradshaw is a guy that could also play some X. You know, sort of a Will Fuller type of, uh, of X. Not that he's got Will Fuller speed, but you get he, he can be that kind of guy. I'd have taken both of them, and I'd also take Caden Saunders is another guy that I would still take with Xavion Bradshaw because they are different players. Caden Saunders is a guy that is more of a, a slot, but he's more speed, he's more explosiveness, he's more about route running. You could play maybe him in the slot or him outside, 
and have Xavier Bradshaw compliment him. So, so I mean, I'd still go after him. I don't have guys that are committed to other schools in my dream class, though. So that's why Caden Saunders isn't in here. Uh, if, if you were to add him and Xavier Bradshaw with Maureen Walker, that's a really, really good receiver class, and I'd be very happy with that, and that's a lot of speed and explosiveness. So Xavier Bradshaw, to me, is where this receiver situation uh, starts and ends as far as you've got to get this guy. He he is exactly what Notre Dame and Brian Kelly have said they don't have enough of, that they need more of. You get him, you get Xavier Watts, you get Lorenzo Styles, all in the same receiving core. There's no more excuses for not having playmakers. You absolutely have enough playmakers at that point in time. So um, that's why I, I say this is a guy that Notre Dame has to get. Are there different types of players, some outside guys, uh, that could be that kind of player? Absolutely. But you have some of those guys. You have outside guys. What Notre Dame needs in this class is they need an after-the-catch, ball-in-your-hand difference maker, and Xavion Bradshaw is that. Outside, it's a little different. I don't know if Notre Dame's in great shape with a lot of the outside guys. What I do like is that they're in the mix with several guys. There's really three on, on the board for me that I've seen that I think Notre Dame has some sort of shot at that they need to get one of those three players based on where things stand right now. Number one is C.J. Williams from Modern Day out in California. I've talked about him. He's a long shot, but they seem to still be trying. Tobias Merriweather from Washington, and then Andre Green from Virginia. Now, Merriweather and Green is where I'm going to focus my time today because I think they're more realistic. Merriweather's a young player that – Again, didn't get a chance to play his junior year. It's a common theme right now with a lot of these players. But I see a player that's very long, tremendous ball skills, has very good long speed, very athletic, very dynamic player that can stretch the field vertically, can make some plays after the catch in sort of a Chase Claypool fashion, the way Chase Claypool did in Notre Dame. But he's that kind of take-the-top-off-the-defense kind of guy. And he also has the ball skills that once he fills out his frame – He's going to be a really big-time weapon on back shoulders and sideline throws. He, to me, is what a lot of other people that I've talked to think Amorian Walker is, and I don't. But I think that Bias Merriweather is that kind of player. He would be a big-time pickup. He's a top-100 recruit for me, and, and I believe he is in the top 24-7 uh, sports top-100 composite list uh, He or just outside of it. He's somewhere around there. He To me, he's a surefire top-100 player based on sophomore film. We haven't even seen junior and senior film yet, obviously. So he's a player to me that would would certainly be a, a, a difference maker, a needle mover for Notre Dame if you're able to get him out of Washington, which is going to be hard, but they're in it, and that's the thing I like. Andre Green is, is to me, more of the traditional of what Notre Dame has had. You know, He's more of the, the Miles Boykin, Michael Floyd school of receiver play. I'm not saying he's as good as either one or worse or anything like that. I'm just saying he's not a – you know, stretch the field, four four two, run post routes and go routes by people all all the time. He can run those routes, but he's going to be more about size and body positioning and ball skills type of player. He can work the middle of the field. He's a good athlete. He's a he's definitely a good athlete. I just don't see great speed yet. But as you know, if anyone that's listened to me for some time, I I don't obsess about speed as much. I. I I always say, look, if you're 6'3 and you're 205 pounds and you've got very long arms and great ball skills, you're always open. It's just can the quarterback put the ball in the position to allow you to go use those traits to, to make a play even when you're covered. And that's that's really why quarterback play is also so important. And, and we saw that with Javon McKinley this year. Look, anytime Javon McKinley was given an opportunity to make a contested catch, he, he made the catch nine times out of ten. It was just about the opportunities and weren't enough, there enough. You, to me, Andre Green is similar to Javon McKinley. I think that's probably the best comparison that I could use because I think their speed is similar. I think Javon McKinley's faster than some people think. I think he's a high 4'8", low 4'5 guy when it's all said and done. I think that's where Andre Green will be when it's all said and done. You know, low 4'5 guy. Uh, I think him and, T, him and T. Higgins are comparable. I think I think Tobias Merriweather's an even closer comparison to T. Higgins. But I also think Andre Green has some T. Higgins to his game. Uh, but he's a little bit more physical, and that's why I like the Javon McKinley comp. He's an even longer version of Javon McKinley. I think Tobias Merriweather is more of that T. Higgins fit, and I think Andre Green is sort of a Javon McKinley fit, and that's that's really good. I mean, you get those two guys, one of those two players, uh, with a Xavion Bradshaw, I'll really like where the receiver class is at. So 
they got to get one of those two guys right now. They don't lead with either lead for either one of them. There's a lot of work to be done there. They got to figure out why they're not leading for those guys and and come up with a new strategy. That's where Notre Dame is on offense. They've got to rethink their strategy at receiver recruiting and say this is a big year. We can't just say, hey, well, we did well in 2020 and we did well in 2021, so we can take a year off of receiver recruiting. That's not what good teams do. The good teams, the teams that are winning championships, they try to load up a receiver every year, and that's what Notre Dame needs to do this year. So those are guys that I look at and say, you land some of those guys, you're you're closing the gap, you're moving the needle. That group of nine that you would sign over a three-year period, again, maybe Alabama and Ohio State, other than that, I, I don't see a lot of teams that would be recruiting receiver better than Notre Dame in the last three years if you bring in that kind of class. To me, I felt Notre Dame signed two top 100 caliber players in 2020 with Xavier Watts and Jordan Johnson. I think they signed one for sure top 100 player last year in in Lorenzo Styles, and I think Deion Colsey has five-star upside. Now, I think he's a little more, more raw, but he's a top 100 physical talent, and as he develops, and, and, and he's young for his age, so as he matures and develops and, and if he can develop sort of that that drive that work ethic he could be a, a difference maker a top 100 guy and then if you if you look at the class that I just talked about if you get Tobias Merriweather and Xavion Bradshaw for example to me my evaluation my grade those are both top 100 talents with incredibly high ceilings you do that three years in a row you're going to get at least four or five of those guys are going to pan out and be big time players and that's where you need to be. Not everybody's going to pan out. It's rare that you have a class like Bama had where they had Jerry Judy, uh, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, all in the same class. And, of course, they all panned out. That rarely happens. So you need to do it year after year after year, and that's why this class is so important when it comes to wide receiver recruiting. You land two of those players, one of those outside guys, plus Bradshaw, you have a difference maker class. And you could sub – Caden Saunders in there for one of those outside guys. And if you were to get Walker, Bradshaw, and Caden Saunders, I'd feel really good about that group too. I'd like to have another big guy. That's just my preference. But take my preference aside and just evaluate the talent. You add Caden Saunders and Xavion Bradshaw to the same to the receiver unit that Notre Dame already has. You've added a vertical elite speed guy in Saunders, and you've added a guy that's a difference maker with the ball in his hands in Bradshaw you'd have no complaints for me. That's a darn good class. And to me, that is, in fact, a needle-moving class, and that's the standard. It may not be my personal preference of what I'd like from a complementary skill set standpoint, but at the end of the day, what's the key? The key is adding difference makers, gap closers, needle movers, pick an expression. That's what you need to do, and that's what that receiving class would do for me. Let's move on to tight end. I've already made my comments about Jack Nickel known. Uh, if you're going to take two tight ends in this class, which I'm still kind of understanding why they're doing that, they're, they must know something that I don't, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they are looking at it like, hey, look, Michael Mayer's not going to be here for four years. Maybe there's a guy that they think may, may transfer out or somebody's going to move positions or something. They're, they have to know something that I don't. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They want two tight ends in this class. To me – I would have gone for more of a high upside player. Now, one of the guys that is still on the board that ha you have room for is Holden Stace from Atlanta. Now, this is a kid that, to me, is the complete opposite of Michael Mayer in that Michael Mayer was such a proven commodity when he got to Notre Dame. He had about – he had, in my opinion, the highest floor of a Notre Dame tight end that I've ever seen. Higher floor than Alizé Jones, higher floor than Kyle Rudolph, uh, higher floor than Ben Koyak, higher floor than I mean I, I Cole Komet, Brock Wright. You you meant I didn't mention Tyler Eifert because Tyler Eifert didn't have a high floor. I mean he was a three star player that was a wide receiver most of his career, so he had tools and I liked his tools. I wrote about him back in the day, but I didn't see what he became. I didn't think he was that kind of player, and he definitely didn't have a high floor. High floor means that guy's gonna be a good player. It's just how good. Holden Stace is is got a very similar upside to Michael Mayer, but he's got a much lower floor. He's he's had an injury as a junior. It wasn't a major injury, it was like a hamstring, I believe. We had an, we've had a couple articles about him at Irish Breakdown. Eric Rudder did an interview with him the other day, and I, and I believe it was a hamstring injury that limited him for a couple games. Again, not a not a major injury. It was like a torn knee or a, a broken bone or anything like that. 
but he's a guy that's very raw as a sophomore, didn't catch a ton of passes, kind of a run heavy offense, but this is a unique player. He's 6'4, 230. He's athletic. He's not a burner. He's he's just he's just a good athlete without great speed. Uh, he's a guy that is still developing as a player, whereas Michael Mayer was a pretty advanced guy when he showed up. So that's what I like about Holden Stace is, is he's a different type of prospect than a Kane Barong, who I think is going to be ready to play as a freshman or very early in his career. Michael Mayer was ready to play very early in his career. Uh, so this is a kid that you know, you're going to need some time to develop him in the weight room with his route running, with his technique, all those kind of things. But, man, there's a lot of potential there. I'm going to actually pull up uh, – some of his highlights here as we're as we're talking and, and just really dive into it so you'll get to see what i'm talking about you can play him attached because he's so big but he's got really good ball skills he's got good open field speed you see that right there not a burner not a guy like tommy trumbull where he's going to stretch the field but look at the catch rate he has look at how long his arms are he just he's got that frame that you want in a tight end He's not a guy I'm going to necessarily line up outside at like the W or X at times, but he can be a flex tight end. He can line up in the slot, work some matchups against safeties with his size, work some some against linebackers with his uh, with his athleticism and reach and speed. So this is a guy that I just really like, and, and you're seeing the clips here. He's a tough kid. This is a this is a really good football player, and and when you're in a position where you are with Notre Dame, where you've recruited this tight end position so well in recent years. This is the kind of prospect you look for because you're you can take some time if he needs a year to develop or two years to develop you're fine. I don't think you'll need two. I think you'll just need that freshman year. If he's an early enrollee, he may be ready as a freshman because you got that whole spring, that winter and spring to develop him. I don't know if he's going to be an early enrollee, but he's a guy that to me would be a a difference maker for Notre Dame. And that's the only kind of tight end you should bring in is even if it's a raw guy, and there's another tight end in 2022 that I like a lot named Eli Raritan, whose dad played at Notre Dame. He's another similar guy. He'd compliment Stace very well. We'll see if they have room for him because you already got two tight ends. So I don't, I don't know how you could bring in a third tight end. So um, that's another reason why I would have, I would have waited on Jack Nickel and not taken Jack Nickel because there's other tight ends that I think you could get if you're Notre Dame that just have much higher ceilings. But Holden Stace is a guy that, to me, uh, is exactly what you want for the tight end. There he is, is attached, running the corner route. Look at that concentration with two guys just draped all over him. This kid can flat out play football, and as he learns how to play the game, his his level of dominance is going to skyrocket. He's not ranked in the top 250 by rivals or 247 sports. ESPN ranks him number 96, and I get where they're coming from because if you're just going off raw talent, this kid's got outstanding raw talent. And he's got top 100 caliber talent. Now, he's not there yet. There's some development that's needed, some experience that's needed. But the tools are there. He absolutely has the tools. So he's a guy that you look at and say, boy, if Notre Dame can make him uh, the second tight end in this class, you're going to feel really good about about adding another high-level impact player to your class. So that's why, to me, Holden Stace is a big recruit. Now, where do things stand with him? Notre Dame is in great shape with him, great shape. To the point where if he's not in Notre Dame's class sooner rather than later, I'll be surprised. Now, here's the thing that is the holdup as far as happening soon. He was once committed to Penn State and then decommitted. Nine times out of ten when a player is like that, especially a player that's considering Notre Dame, he's going to want to make sure that this is the right decision. Guys like that, kids that are thoughtful, kids that are – you know, intellectually oriented kids that are just really just the kind of kid that is going to come to Notre Dame. They're going to want to make sure that they don't, they don't want to keep playing this game. Right. So he, there may be some hesitation to make the decision, but where Notre Dame is right now, it's in great shape. You, you read the article we had at irishbreakdown.com the other day. It the writing's on the wall. This is a, a, a kid that isn't really likes Notre Dame. I think he'll end up at Notre Dame. They just they got to finish. That's the big deal. You got to close it out. Uh, but I but I would I would predict that he'll be in the class at at some point in time, probably relatively soon. If there's a way that they could figure out a way to get a, a, the third tight end, Eli Raritan in, that would be great. But just numbers wise, that's going to be really really hard to do. So we'll see we'll see if you know maybe there's a transfer, maybe. Um, somebody moves moves a position and you can figure out a way to do that. Maybe you come up short at another position and you can add a third tight end. There's all types of ways you can do it, but 
it's just going to be hard to figure that out when you've already got two, you know, if you get stays to get this, the third tight end in the class. Let's move on to the offensive line. Surprisingly, this is probably the position besides receiver that I'm most concerned about. Now, Notre Dame's involved with a lot of very talented offensive linemen, but I, I can't say right now that I would say Notre Dame leads for any of them. Notre Dame's in on Zach Rice and Tyler Booker. Those are two elite-ranked offensive linemen, two higher-floor offensive linemen for me, big, strong kids, could be right tackles, could maybe move to guard, could you know potentially play left tackle if they continue to develop physically. But these are big-time players. And I think Notre Dame needs to get one of those two guys. But right now, Notre Dame doesn't lead for either one of them. I don't necessarily blame them really for either case because, again, this is where the lack of visits hurts you more if you're Notre Dame. I don't think it hurts you as much as skilled players because it's just – it's re recruiting is different at different positions, and that's what people have to understand. You don't recruit a receiver the same way you recruit a quarterback. You don't recruit an offensive lineman the same way you recruit a linebacker. It's just different. Players at different positions have, tend to have – unique personalities or the things that are interested that interest them are, are different for an offensive lineman for example the position coach is way more important than it is at most other positions and building that relationship with the position coach is incredibly important and not being able to visit campus and sit down and spend face-to-face -face time not zoom time not you know in school visit not phone time text time dm time all the other times just face-to-face, -face, how do I click with that guy? How do I connect with that guy? Can that guy get me where I want to get to? That's so much more important at, at offensive line than it is at tight end, running back, receiver, uh, linebacker, corner, a lot of those positions. It's vitally important, and, and we've seen that throughout Notre Dame's history of the, really the Brian Kelly tenure. Once they started recruiting at a high level, it was always about, why are you coming to Notre Dame? It's Coach Eastan, Coach Eastan, Coach Eastan. Oh, Coach Quinn and I connected. I really think he can develop me. Look what he's done. It's always about what a coach has done in that regards. So the fact that Jeff Quinn hasn't been able to get Zach Rice on campus, hasn't been able to get Tyler Booker on campus because of the fact that they can't have vi official visits or even unofficial visits, has been a dead period for every year, puts them in a tough spot. And that's where geography can hurt them much more than it did last year because most of the top linemen that you were after last year had visited campus before. So they're going to have to hope that those two players stay uncommitted long enough to get them on campus. And you've got to work your butt off to stay engaged and stay involved and, and stay in that top three or four so that way you're within striking distance once visits open back up. Now, if you can get both Tyler Booker and Zach Rice, that's obviously the ultimate dream. But if we're being somewhat realistic with this dream class, and that's the whole point, is it's it doesn't do me any good to talk about a dream class that has no chance of happening. And saying, like, get Andre Green and Tobias Merriweather, Zach Rice and Tyler Booker is not realistic. And it's also not necessarily needed to have that needle-moving class. But to me, you got to get one of those two guys. You get one of those two guys, I feel good about where Notre Dame is, is with this class. When you combine that with already landing Joey Tonona and Ty Chan, you'd have three really talented players that have some positional flexibility that all have very high ceilings, but with Zach Rice and with, with Tyler Booker, much like Joey Tonona, you have much higher floors. And that's the important thing. You can't have five low floor, high ceiling guys in an offensive line because just by nature, those players have a, have a, a greater hit mark, a, a lower hit mark, a higher miss mark. You're going to miss with more of those guys, meaning they're not even not great players. They're not even really playing for you. That's just the fact. And so you need some high floor players. Joey Tonona to me is a high floor player. Zach Rice and Tyler Booker are more high floor players that Notre Dame needs to get. You get one of those two guys, I feel really good about where this class is. And then it's really just one more guy and 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 I'm and I'm good. And then if you can get a third, you know, or a second and get to that five-man class. With the right look, now you're talking about not only are you restocking your own depth chart, you're landing, in my opinion, arguably the best offensive line class in the country, and that's what Notre Dame needs to be doing. When you look at the future of the offensive line, there are some concerns. There are some question marks. They were short on numbers in 2020. They only signed two offensive linemen. 2019, that class is looking good potentially this year, but Quinn Carroll's had a devastating knee injury. John Olmstead's already gone. 
You know, the, and, and those guys are going to be seniors when this class shows up. And then you have t- your only two players in 20, 2020, which are two very good players, but only two. And then last year you took five players, but they were different. I mean, you, you didn't have that third and fourth high-level player like you're used to getting. And that, to me, was a, a concern. Those are more low-floor players. You know, it's Caleb Johnson, lower-floor player, high ceiling, lower floor. Joe Walt, low floor player, very low floor player, but very high ceiling. And then to me, Pat Coogan is a is a higher floor guy from the standpoint of you think he's at least going to be a depth guy, but I don't see the ceiling. So yeah, great one two punch, but you, you need a class that kind of is both high floor and high ceiling and just adds more impact talent to your offensive line. This class can be that. It's a great year on the offensive line nationally. From a depth standpoint, a lot of good linemen. Maybe not the the bunch of top 10, just game changer type of guys, but just a lot of top 100 to top 150 caliber prospects. And then there's some guys that aren't ranked that high that have really high ceilings, and we're going to get to that next. But ge- ge- geographically, too, it's a it's a good year for Notre Dame, and they they have to take advantage. They, they, they missed out on taking full advantage of it last year and under similar circumstances. They're fortunate that 2022 is another good year at the position. They can't miss out this time. Now, in my dream class, I want five offensive linemen, and that may be a stretch. They may, but if they only get four, that's really that that's fine as long as it's the right four. But I went with five because I do think there's a realistic aspect to that. The fourth guy for me is there's two tackles on the board that aren't super highly ranked guys because they're like 255 to 260 pounds and they just haven't kind of caught hold from a recruiting ranking standpoint. But talent-wise and upside-wise, and if you look at the schools offering them and recruiting them, you can see that the ceilings are incredibly high. And that is Jake Taylor from Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas and George Fitzpatrick, who's from Colorado. He plays at Cherry Creek in Colorado. You could argue is the best program in Colorado from a consistency basis. It's a great program. It was a great program when I lived there. It's a great program now. Uh, they either played for or won the state championship last year. When I look at these two players, I see guys that need time to develop their bodies. They're they're undersized right now from a weight standpoint, but I see elite five-star potential. Jake Taylor, I've written a lot about at irishbreakdown.com. I've done a film analysis on him. He, to me, is that combination of athleticism, toughness, technique is going to be there he's got a ceiling that if he can get up to 300 pounds and maintain the the same projection with his his athleticism that i've seen so far from him he could be a stud offensive lineman i project him as a pure tackle but any pure tackle can more often than not unless it's like a six eight guy like blake like a like tosh baker if, if you're a pure tackle you could play guard if you're physical enough and jake taylor is certainly physical enough so he could play guard but he to me is a tackle you're recruiting him to play tackle Fitzpatrick is to me is the most intriguing offensive lineman on Notre Dame's board because my big question with him is can he get to be 300 pounds and still maintain the the level of athleticism that he shows now he is a an elite athlete for an offensive lineman in my opinion his quickness off the ball his just his vertical quickness there's two types of quickness you need as an offensive lineman that's that vertical burst that's drive blocks. That's just coming off and exploding off the ball, getting up to the second level. Then there's lateral quickness. That's things like, you know, obviously pass blocking, getting into your pass set, uh, pulls, traps, things like that. Working to the sex, second level for width as opposed to just that vertical aspect. I see all of it. I see elite tools. I see great length. I see a great frame, but he's 255 pounds. If he, he needs to, he's going to get up to at least needs to get up to at least 290 to 295. You know, Robert Ainsley was 290 to 295. He's fine. But you you need to at least get to 290. Can he add that 35 to 45 pounds to get to that size and maintain that quickness? That's an unknown because he is only 255 pounds. And that's why I think a big reason why he's not considered that great prospect. But this is the kind of guy that for years gets kind of overlooked by maybe the bigger programs, goes to an Iowa goes to Wisconsin, goes to a program like that. You don't hear about him for two years, and all of a sudden by year three, he's an all-Big Ten player. And then by year four, he's like, wow, where'd this guy come from? He's a first-round NFL draft pick. Uh, the recruiting rankings tend to focus on the guys that are already 290 or 280-plus, 290, 300. 
that are already dominant physical players. But a lot of the guys that end up going high in the draft are guys that you know didn't go to college as, as 290, 300-pound guys. They took time to develop. And to me, that's what George Fitzpatrick is. And that's why he's a very unique player with a lot of tools, a lot of talent. So I really like what he brings. If you can land one of those two guys, and right now that's going to be tough. They're in it, but they're not leading for either one. If you can land one of those two guys with a Zach Rice or a Tyler Booker, with Joey Tonono and with Ty Chan – that is one heck of an offensive line class. And then if you can round it out with my number five, which is this is a very unique year. Wisconsin always produces a lot of offensive linemen, but it's usually like kind of those project kind of guys that, that are three stars that eventually grow into it, kind of like what we just talked about. They have three guys that are all borderline top 100 guys or are ranked as top 100 guys, and Notre Dame is involved with each of them, and they have a shot with each of them. And if you can land one of those three Wisconsin guys, that's a huge, huge pickup because it wouldn't shock me if Wisconsin got all three of those guys. But it's Billy Shrouth, Karsten Hinsman, and Joe Bruner. Now, Hinsman to me is a pure interior player. He plays guard in high school, I believe. He projects as a guard center type of player. Bruner is a big physical right tackle type that could also play guard. And Billy Shrouth is, is sort of that hybrid guy. I think he fits best at guard. I have people that I talk to that really know football, who really know how to evaluate, who think he's more of a tackle. So the fact that we're having that debate shows you his versatility as a player. They're all three really good prospects. You get one of those three guys in this class, I feel really good about what Notre Dame has been able to build along the offensive line. And, and if you're able to get one of that group of three from each category – you get one of those three, it's an elite, arguably best class in the country type of haul. If you get two from one category and then one from another, but you don't get Rice and you don't get Booker, will I will I be disappointed? I'll be disappointed from the standpoint of there's no surefire, high-ceiling, elite, five-star guy in that group. And I think Notre Dame should always get that kind of guy. But it's still a really, really good offensive line class. And when you combine it with last year's, is there some risk involved? Is there some uncertainty? Yes, but that's a lot of talent in a two-year haul with Tosh Baker and, and Michael Carmody from the year before that. So in three years, you'd have, got, you'd have got 12 guys, and there's a lot of depth, a lot of versatility, and a lot of talent. So yes, from a dream class standpoint, maybe it falls short if you don't get Booker or Rice, but if you can get three of the, of the, the second and third group of linemen that I talked about, I'm going to say, yeah, that's a that's a pretty darn good class. And now you try to go get your elite guy next year, but that's a really good class. And I'd feel I'd feel really good about Notre Dame restocking their depth chart. So that's my dream class. If there are players that you think should be in the dream class, let me know in the comment section below. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to this via podcast, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Coach D178. You can shoot me an email at Brian at, at IrishBreakdown.com or come to IrishBreakdown.com. Leave a comment in the discuss forum. Uh, I'm hearing, uh, talking to some higher-ups that that are manage our sites, that we should have a, a message board situation coming up, fixed coming up very soon. I'm hoping that that's the case. Um, if, if what we've talked about so far ends up panning out, I, I feel good about that. So that'll be a good thing. And so we'll be able to much be much easier for us to have those conversations. But there's still avenues for you to reach out. There's still avenues for you to engage. And, of course, you can sign up to our Facebook page, our Irish Breakdown fan page. Uh, there's also another uh, fan page on Facebook that I uh, post on and I'm now a moderator of, and that is Notre Dame News, Notre Dame Football News. Uh, it, it's run by uh, a group of Notre Dame fans. It's a really cool site, a lot of activity, a lot of commenting on that. Uh, I post all my stories on that as well. Uh, so that that's another option for you to be able to see my work, uh, to see all of our work at Irish Breakdown, uh, and then, of course, to engage with me because I'm starting to engage on that channel uh, that group a lot more as well as my own at, at the Irish Breakdown uh, Notre Dame fan page. So all types of options for you to be able to engage with me. Let me know what's in your dream class. If there's someone I have in the dream class that you don't think should be in there, let me know. But state your case, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna be critical, state your case. I love it. I like debate, but you have to you have to explain to me why I'm wrong uh, or why you think I'm wrong. If you think I some of the players that are are commits that I don't think would have been in the dream class should be in the dream class should be considered that let me know that too I love discussion I love debate that's what makes the offseason so fun but you at least got to state your case okay so uh, make sure you are locked into irishbreakdown.com you are going to hear this podcast um, 
This is going to come out on Thursday afternoon, uh, Friday, uh, Friday afternoon at one o'clock PM Eastern. We're going to have a live mailbag for irishbreakdown.com. And then this weekend, we're hoping to have a podcast where we talk about uh, just sort of a spring preview since spring practice starts on Saturday. So we will have something just kind of what we're looking to see this spring, big picture wise. What are we hoping to see? Who are our breakout players? We're just kind of kind of wrap it all up in one and have that for you on Saturday. So very, very busy week from us. Make sure you stay locked into irishbreakdown.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit that notification bell. And if you listen to us uh, in a podcast, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get it. And give us a five-star rating because the higher rating we get, the more people that have access to our podcast. That's just the way it works. So we would love your support and continued support moving forward uh, and as we continue to grow and grow and grow like we have over last year. So we will be back with you very soon with more content. Until then, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for, for pay, being a patron of irishbreakdown.com, and we will talk to you very soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.